Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Rohana Samar, Senior Manager for Seasonal Programs at Blue Door. Blue Door is the largest emergency shelter provider in York Region. It works towards ending and preventing homelessness. Rohana and I will talk about homelessness, really in setting the stage for asking for support for the fundraiser, coldest night of the year, happening, I believe it's the fifth year here in Richmond Hill on February 24th. Welcome, Rahana. Hi, Marsh. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm so glad we found the time to do this. First, I'll go back. Is it the fifth year that we're um, for our fundraiser? It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I remember. I, it is. And uh, I am looking forward to it. But Rohana, you have been guiding those who have come together to help those who have found themselves homeless, often people from various faith-based groups, but you've you've helped organize them for a long time. Uh, you also have been advocating for funding, systemic change, uh, and you've let those in power and sort of and the general community know what is needed to assist those who, vulnerable people, those who found themselves homeless. So please tell us about your early efforts to help help these vulnerable people, the people that really in our community aren't do not have a place to live. Yeah, thanks, March. Um, wow, it's, it's uh, looking back, it's a long journey from where I started. Uh, time flies. But um, basically, I started 26 years ago in 1998. Um, and I was a volunteer at the Jaffrey Islamic Center, which was one of the founding members of the Out of the Cold program. Uh, at that time, it was run through a agency in Toronto. Uh, there was four faith-based communities running the program. And so I was a volunteer. I was a clothing girl um, at that time. Lots of fun. Um, and then in uh, 2003, uh, things changed. The funding structure in the city changed, and they cut out funding for any programs north of Steeles. Uh, you know, these boundaries that come up is a bit frustrating. But so in 2003, the, the faith communities in York Region, uh, you know, lost that minimal funding. I think they had about $10,000 at that time, which is not nearly enough to cover uh, expenses, but they were left with nothing. They really were dedicated to running the out of the cold and uh, and they put a call out for somebody to uh, kind of develop it. And so I have a, a marketing background and a business background. And so I took up that opportunity, having loved the program as a volunteer. And uh, so in 2003, I started doing my research. I got hired and really thought about, you know, what could this program look like, which is getting faith communities together you know the value is that they do so much work already um with poverty and uh and you know marginalized people and so i thought why not get you know the faith-based communities in a structure uh so that we can really become an advocacy force 
Um, and, you know, also do that whole collaboration between faith communities. And, and so that was really kind of my idea. And so I set up a charity in 2005. We called it Mosaic Out of the Cold um, and really just started networking, right, and building that base from four faith communities to over 50 um, over the last 20 plus years. So it really became a wonderful grassroots organization with people talking and getting together and, you know, serving marginalized people. Um, and so we built these shelters uh, through that structure. It's been unbelievable, 26 years. I've learned a lot. When I came in in 1998 or 2003, I had no idea about homelessness. All I knew was as a volunteer, I saw people coming in and but I started learning, you know, when setting up this charity, talking to different shelters and um, government. And I thought, wow, you know, what an incredible cause where people, you know, think that homelessness is about people being lazy and just, you know, addictions. And it's so much more than that. Uh, and so I learned a lot. And then I learned a lot about faith communities, you know, the Mennonite church that approached us five or six after we start five or six years after we started. Who knew that they don't ride horse and buggies, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's what people think, but no, mm -hmm. it's a fabulous community, you know, and all these faith communities share the same values. And um, so a lot of learning curve for me and about, especially about homelessness. So um, we built this, this structure and, uh, you know, instead of four faith-based shelters, we ended up with 13 um, faith-based shelters. We expanded our, services from only beds to meals and medical services and different things like uh, haircutting. And I mean, it was just a such a vibrant, wonderful program with 1,200 volunteers and really a testament to what the community can do. We recently merged and took it from there. So uh, 26 years has been my uh, legacy, I guess. I'm very proud of it and also very honored, really, to have had the opportunity to do this work. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. That's, I did not, 26 years, that's a long time. So, uh, and yeah. it, it was four years ago that you merged with Blue Door. Is, is that correct? It's uh, two years now. Only two. Okay. Two years. Yeah. COVID's put my time guessing out of yeah. whack. Okay. So two years you've been with Blue Door and then I, you know, I, I've seen what's happened and I, I do think it's a positive, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we merged two years ago. I think um, Michael Braithwaite, who's our CEO, and I, you know, knew each other through the networks. And we really had a discussion um, about out of the cold, about homelessness. And, you know, we, uh, for me, sustainability of the organization, because that when I was running it, it was just me. Um, and running a massive uh, operation like that was not easy, even though we had a wonderful board of directors from the faith communities, 1,200 volunteers, sustainability was an issue. And so I really wanted to make sure that the uh, out of the cold keeps going and that the community keeps benefiting and keeps engaged. And, uh, and Michael, obviously, Blue Door um, provides so many services. And for them, just kind of, uh, I think for everyone, the, the, the issue with homelessness has really been how do we... Um, battle this massive problem that seems to keep getting bigger and how do we improve services and so Michael and I thought a merger between a seasonal shelter like out of the cold which serves hundreds of people 
um, that come in just off the streets uh, and keeps them warm and keeps them fed? How do we expand that and also bring in the services that Blue Door was providing, the housing and you know, housing retention and things like that. And we thought, well, let's march. Mm-hmm. And that will bring sustainability to out of the cold and it will bring a lot of services into the program and it will really have a kind of a one roof service approach, right? To people that are experiencing homelessness. And so that really was why we merged. Um, and in the last two years, we've really been working on those pieces so, you know, we've got a housing worker now, we're able to do case management and, you know, people are able to access not just the emergency piece of out of the cold, but also access other services in the community. Yeah, yeah. and definitely a need there. So COVID did cause real struggles to provide for those who were homeless. Uh, the government did step up. Uh, can you remind what? us, like, what, what happened during that time? Wow. (laughs) Sounds like so long ago, but um, well, like everyone else, COVID changed everything. And with Out of the Cold, we literally, I think with homelessness in general and the service providers, we were left in the unknown, you know, how do we keep serving with this pandemic? And so specifically with Out of the Cold, it was just overnight that, you know, uh, we had one case that we didn't know was COVID, but again, 1200 volunteers we had to protect and you know and so we we had to shut down all of the shelters overnight um which was really sad very tragic uh because we had 50 people you know that day that were seeking shelter at a particular church and we had a sign on the door saying you know we couldn't provide the service and people were just left outside and so um it was frightening right um but uh we were thankful again the community jumped in and uh, the Mennonite Church, Rouge Valley Mennonite Church in Markham, were, really were the heroes at that time, right? That stepped up and said, you know, we have to have, bring people in during the pandemic. And so they offered us their church seven nights a week. And we opened up there very quickly within a few days. And so we were able to continue service, but it was da- it was really scaled down. So instead of 50 people being served, it was 20 people. Um, but again, it was something and, uh, we kind of did that for uh, a few months and then really had to come to the table and say, how is this program now going to move forward? So a lot of the out of the colds, uh, through in other municipalities, you know, shut down because of the risks involved with a community-based program. Um, but we were able to continue because one, our collaborations with the faith communities and that whole, um, advocacy with the entire faith communities and other supporters was so strong that we really were able to continue providing service. Um, And two, the regional municipality of York was also very good, right? They uh, wanted to keep these shelters open, but in a safe way. And so a lot of conversations happening and we managed to save the program, change it, but save it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's really what happened during the pandemic it was a very difficult time, especially for people experiencing homelessness and people living paycheck to paycheck because everything shut down. And so before the pandemic, you know, not having enough services to meet the demands, now all of a sudden there was uh, even fewer, if there were any. 
And so it really was frightening and very scary just with our conversations with people that were experiencing homelessness, what that was like. Um, so with agencies, it was extremely challenging because the entire system changed and we just didn't know, you know, how to address uh, the pandemic with a system that was completely unknown and we didn't know where it was going. And so navigating that while keeping services open and meeting the demand was extremely challenging. Yeah, I, I would think you may have had a few sleepless nights wondering how you're going to do things. But yeah. you know, COVID is, is more or less behind us, but we have not emerged bright and shiny and new. Uh, there are still lots of societal problems. Um, and now we've got high inflation, housing issues, um, insufficient mental health, food insecurity. It just, it seems like in many ways things are worse. So, um, you know, what are you seeing? Can you describe what are things like now? Yeah, it's, you know, kind of like coming out of a, a war, you know, battle zone and seeing the ruins and, and saying, how do we build up again? Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult after the pandemic specifically because again, we're still navigating, right. Um, for out of the cold, it means we're, we're so different from what it used to be pre pandemic with all the faith communities and all these resources, you know, how do we navigate to get back to that so that we don't lose this incredible momentum we had going with the community. Um, however, you know, the safety piece of it now, knowing that there could be pandemics coming forward. And so we're still navigating what the program will look like. Um, there's been changes, you know, we've had more faith communities joining back, we've had more volunteers, things like that. So that navigation piece is still being worked out. Um, it's, it's difficult also because the demand for services has skyrocketed, just skyrocketed. Now we're seeing more people. And so just to give you an idea, you know, before the pandemic, we were serving 50 people. Then we went down to 20. Now we're back up to 30 beds. Um, and in the last few years, even including during the pandemic, when we had 20, 30 beds, 40% of the nights that we were operating during the winter, so from, you know, November till June, because we expanded from March until June. So in that eight-month period, about 40% of the nights we were at capacity. So, you know, about half maybe, and the rest of the half, we were close to capacity, but always had those free flow beds. People could always access the out-of-the-cold beds. This year, when we opened October 16th, we were full day one. And we've been full consistently every single day um, until, you know, currently. So, again, now we're seeing a capacity issue even at out of the cold, which used to be the beds that were free-flowing beds for people to access. That's a concern. Um, in addition, we're turning away an average of five to ten people a night. Uh, that does not include other service providers that are full to capacity and also turning people away. So now we know for a fact that the capacity uh, across York region and what we know across other municipalities is overflowing. Um, you know, we just don't have enough beds, enough services. That's one, the capacity issue Two, the types of people that we're seeing. It's shocking, right? I mean, before pre-pandemic and during pandemic, we were talking about people that were chronically homeless. 
you know, what is that number? We didn't even know really, but we could guess, you know, 5,000 or so, or we could um, tell by how many people we were serving in the shelters. But we were talking, our, our language was chronically homeless or people that are paycheck to paycheck. Now the language is everybody, right? Canadians in general now that are living paycheck to paycheck, a large majority. And so we're seeing more people coming through the doors that are first time into the system of homelessness that have never accessed shelters or food banks. Uh, they have no idea what the, the system entails. And so that places a great burden on us as well and our housing navigators. You know, how do we help people that don't know how to navigate and what does that mean? Um, but, you know, just seeing people coming through the door that are first time users in the system, you know, that raises alarms because that means there are more and more people that are uh, needing the system um, and just losing jobs. Uh, and then now we're also dealing with people that we were dealing with before who are chronically homeless, which means 10, 15 years in the system. Um, that's that we, who we identify as chronically homeless. Now we're dealing with them as well as new people coming into the system. Uh, very different uh, kind of scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the services that we have to cater to are different. Um, the funding gaps become greater. And, uh, you know, and for us navigating that. So refugees, for example, is a population that we didn't really see. We saw some coming in. Now we're seeing a large number of them. Um, and so that's an entirely different population that has different needs that we are not really equipped to not. I wouldn't say we're not equipped to handle it. I would say the resources we have to help them are not enough. So housing, for example, which is another issue, right? Affordable housing. It was already really not enough to deal with the population that are chronically homeless. Now it's, you know, simply not enough to deal with uh, the vast majority of people. Um, and so refugees, you know, how do you house refugees that don't have papers? you know, that don't have their status, that don't have work permits, that don't have any income to pay for housing. Uh, and so it, it really is putting a great challenge on us to kind of help the different population groups that are coming in. Um, and then housing has just become more challenging than ever before. Before we had housing available in the $500 to $800 range, a room, an apartment, a basement apartment, you know, people that were getting OW and disability, you know, at $1,100 or $700, we could work with them. We could get a room somewhere. We could get something for $600. We could get something, 1100 was enough for people to, for us to get somebody affordable housing and to get them on their feet. No more. Now, you know, a basement apartment is $2,000. You know, a, a room, getting one for 800 is virtually impossible. Uh, and so now we're dealing with people that just don't have enough to fill that gap from Ontario Works Disability. So the housing piece has become incredibly challenging. So all the people are coming into the system and we're not able to help them get out of the system. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the biggest challenges we're facing right now. Right. Um, and then 
keeping them in the system, like in places like out of the cold or blue door costs more. Um, and our resources are still limited. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Woo. That doesn't paint a pretty picture. Uh, now the region of York, uh, it does provide funding for programs. Uh, but I sense it's not quite enough. So we're having this coldest night of the year fundraiser. It's sort of a way, okay, we got to do something. And I think it's a really good way of doing it. As I've said, it's been five years that we've been doing it. And I, it, it's great how the community has stepped up. I think the first year we were separate, uh, Blue Door and or Out of the Cold. Uh, now we're together. And uh, one plus one did not equal two. It equals three. We're doing better. And I like that. I actually remember sitting at Cover Notes with you, having a discussion, like we need to do some fundraising. It didn't take us long to agree that, no, a fancy dinner did not make sense for helping out of the <laughs> homeless situation. Uh, and then you had heard about uh, this Blue Seas, who has one of the charity operations they have, is uh, the out of the, out of the, cold, the uh, coldest night of the year. And I really have a very high regard for them. And the first time we met them, uh, they came from Kitchener. And just their logistics, their understanding, their knowing what a organization needs. Like here you have a group of people who want to do something. We don't need to design a website, getting all the other route, all the other details. They well, okay, you guys need to do this, you need to do that. So big plug for blue for blue seas for helping us. Um uh, is there something else I should say about Blue Sea? Is there something that you see that I don't see that uh, they really have provided us? Uh, no, I mean, what an incredible initiative and idea, right? Is I mean, our you know my our challenge when before the merger with Mosaic, the biggest challenge was how do we build capacity and how do we fundraise? You know, and that's that's an issue with a lot of independent small charities, right? You got one or two people running. Uh, the organization and they're, you know, we can't, I couldn't possibly tap into corporate sponsors or running a gala event or, um, and so, you know, Blue Sea, that was their idea. And, you know, how do we help charities? How do we help, especially smaller charities do an event that is national in this case, um, you know, and, and provide them that support to to raise their own money and so i i thought it was brilliant and it was so perfect for mm -hmm. mosaic when you know when we were running independently um and yeah it was uh what we needed right it's uh it really was a push for us to raise an incredible amount yeah when we sat at cover notes and i remember that and and talking with you and thank you so much marge honestly i don't know what we would have done at that time and moving forward without you so um yeah and you know we we just said let's do it and as a community right it was just you and me and some of the faith communities and we jumped into it and i i, I think we were top 15 or top 10 the first time we did it right yeah. eighty thousand, and so um unbelievable like uh, you know what what we need to do is just bring people together and run this event and have fun with it mm -hmm. um and blue sea does all the professional uh you know back back pieces of it that most charities cannot afford to do we can't afford to hire professional fundraisers or do you know websites and uh, social media campaigns and all that and so they do all of that and yeah. so it it was a perfect fit it's it, uh, it is yeah uh and you know we've um 
We've done well. You mentioned how the first year was 80,000. We combined, we're up to 168,000 last year. I'm still pushing for 200,000 for this year. We'll see. We set a goal for 150, but we we will see. We've done really well with uh, getting people on board and we, we've learned how to get even better. So I'm, I, I think we're going to be great. We're going to do very well. We do very well at raising money, but we also raise awareness. We've also, the event gives people an opportunity to do something. Like they feel there's a helplessness that what can we do? Our society is falling apart. We got all these people that need help. So here's a practical, easy way to get involved. And uh, I I really hope that uh, we do extremely well this year. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the event and how people can get involved. There's many different ways. Wanna? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the beauty, the beauty about this event is that anybody can get involved, right? Whether you're just a single person um, and you just want to do something yourself, whether you're a family and your family wants to do something, or, you know, you're a company and your company wants to do something, or anybody can get involved in this. So one of the best ways to get involved is really to participate in the walk. Um, and you can do that as an individual. So, you know, you just go on the website and register. You can either just make your own team, even if it's just you, <laughs> you know, call it my team and just be me. Um, or you can join a team. So Mosaic, for example, we, we have a team for Out of the Cold. It's called Mosaic Family. So if you go on the CNOY website and just click on the location, which would be Richmond Hill, you can see a whole list of all the teams and you can join one of them. We would welcome having, I'm sure you want people on mm-hmm. your connecting the community team. And <laughs> yes. I, you know, I want people on the Mosaic family team. So if you're an individual and you say, you know, I don't know anybody, but I want to do something, join a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're a family and you say, I want to do something with my kids, sounds yeah. great. Create your family team. Yeah. Or, you know, you have a company and you want to really uh, help, you know, yeah. you can, Make create a team, raise money, or you know sponsorship. If you're a company or anybody else, sponsor. So there's you know a lot that you get out of it for anybody that just is walking. A like you said, it's a great opportunity to do something so simple, but yet make significant impact. Um, if you're a company or you know it's a great opportunity to a help your local community, but b also to you know get your promotion in there, right? Your name and participate and so we have uh you know a lot of sponsorship benefits um you know our national website and Mm -hmm. uh you know recognition at the event and so sponsorship fantastic opportunity uh or you can volunteer either and walking and eating together and music that we have and we run a a great event march yes Um, we do yes we do so you know just coming out and enjoying that and being part of the community is a great benefit um enjoying the food. And so, so many easy ways to really create impact. Um, And, uh, you know, the funding is much needed, like I said, uh, as we move forward, not knowing where the program is going or what's going to happen. And, but well, one thing we know is that the demand is getting greater and uh, life is getting more difficult for people. And so we know we need more resources coming in. Um, the, the resources are really needed to supplement operations, right? Uh, important things like f- not just the food and we have a medical program. And so filling in the gaps for funding doesn't fit in. But, you know, our housing program, um, 
you know, how do we do that? And, you know, uh, how do we really give people what they need? You know, we provide important things in housing supports. Like we just started a drop-in clinic that runs on Wednesdays where people can come in and uh, work with housing workers. Uh, you know, EMS comes in and provides health supports. And so we're constantly building our support systems for people. And so really the funds are, are used to uh, help us build the program, build the services, and cater it to what people are needing and what they're going to need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you have, again, uh, the need is there. Uh, the money will be well used. Any money that you put out there, you put yourself out and say, ask all your friends to donate even just a little bit to you. You could even do it as a set of a Christmas present. Can you donate to my cause? That's certainly something we're pushing now. Uh, volunteers, high school students want their volunteer hours. We are all set up for that as well. So it, it really is, a, I'm hoping that we can surpass the number of uh, participants, walkers we had. I believe that last year that we had more walkers than any other team across the country. So we, I think that that was really quite impressive that we were able to bring that many people together. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, just being top 10 March in yeah. you know the first five years of operation, the Richmond Hill CNOI is one of the biggest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do believe it's one of the biggest events in York region, you know, that is grassroots, community-based, where everybody participates. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just uh, Christmas, Family Day, right? Family Day is in February mm-hmm. at the, around the same time. And I'm I'm always saying out of the cold is like a family, right? We, we, we're not like a shelter provider, you know. You, you've been to the program with volunteers. And we mm-hmm. really are like a family with our clients, right? Uh, we, we know them one-on-one. We, we get to know them. They're people to us, right? We, we eat together. We laugh together. We celebrate birthdays together. And a lot of people don't have that family. And so out of the cold is really is a family. So I always like to say CNOI is around family day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to really be part of the family and help us become, you know, give people a family, then do it as a give for family day, right? Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. And, the event is February 24th, but if you know that that date doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can still be part of it, raise it, go for a walk on February 21st, whatever you wanted to do as a, as a group. Um, that's not wrong. That's not, that is allowed. So um, yeah. yeah we, anytime. We, and, and if you're a group, like we have, you know, some of the faith communities and some private uh, companies that want to do their own walk, right? Yeah. And so they decide anytime in February and they just do their yeah. own walk. Um, you have to register online as a team mm-hmm. anyway, but you can do the walk at any time. Yeah. And so, you know, that's fun. And, and we come out and participate in your little walk and, you know, bring out a photographer and, you know, we want to make sure that all the teams and all the walks that are happening are covered. So yeah, lots of flexibility, right? You could be a faith community that says, no, we want to do it at our congregation on a, you know, February the 4th or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. just let us know and enjoy your own little walk or, or come out on the 24th and do it with us. Yeah, it's a good time on the 24th. <clears throat> we have these great hats this year. That's sort of the fun, one of the fun things. It's this, yeah. a colorful toque that I'm looking forward to adding to my collection. of. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they're fabulous this year. Every year yeah. they are. They're really yeah, They are. Yeah, so I have one for each color, style of coat I have. <laughs> mm. Okay. So it is uh, February 24th, about 6 p.m. 
at the Toronto Montessori School uh, at the Bayview uh, campus there at Highway 7 in Bayview. It's a good, beautiful place, very practical, well-organized. We, we have a good walk. You put it together, a nice route, nice and safe. We have lots of, it's, it is safe. We make sure the sidewalks are plowed, lots of people to, to uh, walk out walk with you the police come out with their sirens and energize us so that's all all good uh we have a our register we start off with the registration few comments i think the one year we tried to do calisthenics but it doesn't work doing calisthenics when you have coat and hats on so i yelled and screamed we're not doing that anymore so we just let's just go for a good walk i led the pack last year uh, so we walk uh, and then we come back and have a great time, some great food. There was chili and soup and there was pizza and everybody was well looked after. But it really was the great food uh, that great, not the great food, the great people uh, was really what was really good. You announced the total, but there's always in that week afterwards, more money coming in, which is always good to see. So uh, uh, that it was really quite nice. You had one person I have to ask you about is Jessica. And she was a young girl who found herself homeless. Uh, I believe she was from Mexico. And, um, you know, she was scared. She had to go use your services. But she turned herself around. She spoke really well. Are you still in touch with her? Yeah, we're we're totally in touch with her. She has become a friend and um, a volunteer at the program and Jessica's doing fantastic. I mean, okay. from where where she came a year ago, so it was December, just before Christmas, I guess, in um, 2022. And, you know, just lost a young girl, a refugee, had lost everything. And, you know, to come in with nothing and in tears and within two weeks, right, we had her in a hotel program that was uh, run. And then she's so determined, you know, and so she uh, is a, a registered nurse by profession and so yeah in the last year turned around right she's she's now working she's getting trained uh, trying to get her rn license but she is working at a as a psw she's housed um she's eager to get her license as a nurse and contribute back she volunteers at out of the cold um she we love her uh, yeah. we love every and you know she's become part of uh one of the communities again the Mennonites have just taken her in and she's you know uh developed a family relationship there mm-hmm. uh and so yeah it, absolutely fabulous she is wonderful we are so happy that we were able to get a young girl off the streets like that and yeah. and get her turned around her life um yeah. But, you know, there's many others that are, uh, yeah. that we try to do that with. And, uh, yeah, so she's doing really, really well. Okay. I had to ask you about her because just hearing her story and come up and speak, I know others who are part of your program, they are very eager to come and help to set up and the tables and the whatever else needs to get get done. And I think, you know, putting a, a name, a face to homelessness was, was is important too. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I think we're, I think we're good. I just really want to thank people, right? The community, everyone that's been supporting out of the cold, all the faith communities, all the individuals like yourself, um, for not just supporting out of the cold, but supporting coldest night, making us the top 10. I'll keep saying Mm -hmm. that, but, um, you know what, in 26 years, I have been astounded at, 
the goodness of people and uh, what people can accomplish when they get together. And, um, you know, when we focus on uh, human rights and equity and all that and really come together, it is phenomenal. So I really, I, I want to thank people, you know, as, as just a person mm-hmm. uh, to say in, in 30 years, we've come a long way. And, yeah, we uh, you know, we need to keep doing that uh, and keep our focus going. Yeah, our job is not done yet. So definitely we have more work to do. Definitely. So I do end this podcast asking you, the guest, to answer one question with one response. Name one thing you really like about this community. Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, it's uh, it, it takes some thinking. Um, what I really love about this community is just the gathering of people, the diversity and, and, you know, um, the, how inclusive we are really, and how everybody does come together, regardless of where you're from, how we think about each other, um, you know, not just ourselves. And I think that's been phenomenal that uh, people come, they're willing to learn, they're willing to, you know, open up their hearts and, you know, learn about what's going on and then put action behind it. Yeah. And I think we've done that as a community for not just out of the cold and, but for other agencies, other causes. Uh, I think that's really what I love the most. Okay. I'm, I'm not certain what one word I'm going to put down, oh. but I loved your response. So that was, yeah, okay. that was, was good. It one word. Good. Okay. One good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I would say uh, conversation. Conversation. Okay, very good. So uh, thank you, Rahana, for taking the time to do this podcast. Uh, this has been good to have a conversation with you, to be able to share it with everyone else. And I'm hoping our teams are really big this year and we're welcoming lots of people that uh, uh, we haven't seen before, So, as well as all the people that came out before. So we're going to have yeah, a great and, year. And we'll get to 200,000, which is your goal. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. Uh, At least, yes. And then you can tell us all you you told us so, just like. Exactly. So <laughs> we have fun that way. That's my type of competition. So, yes. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Marge. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at Marge, M-A-R-J, at MargeAndre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.